could actually do an intro because last time and the times before, I don't think we've ever said who's on this podcast. We're just a bunch of disembodied voices. I think talking. we did early on. Early on. And then all since professionalism, like I thought it would, just kind of went away. Um, <laughs> so You mean when an entire podcast got deleted? Yeah. After that, <laughs> it just gave up, like just didn't care anymore. These became spooky specters who love to talk about comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this is our opportunity then to establish um, the one professional thing we can intro is do we want to do we, do you want to introduce yourself or do you want to introduce you want to be introduced do you want to do you want to be you know I feel like if I was a real professional in? you would be introducing me because that shows how much power I have. Okay, <laughs> Roman, how do you pronounce that? It's Statler, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I could do like a like a radio host thing. Like, sure. welcome back to Infinity Content. We got our hosts tonight as Colton Dion, Roman Statler, and Trevor Beaker. Like that? Yeah, that sounds right, good. Cool. All right, well, it's Infinity Content again. It's that time. Time to talk about comics. Time to talk about stories. Time to talk about things we love. Uh, we last last time we did this podcast, we talked about Kingdom Come with um, Alex, uh, like Alex Ross. Alex Ross. And I'm already having a blank on the name, but uh, mostly Mark we, Wade. <laughs> Mark Wade, mostly we went into this book um, for Alex Ross. This was your pick, Roman. Uh, really excited to talk about this. I finished it a couple days ago and have been really, <laughs> really excited. But I feel like we can't talk about this the same way that we talk about every other book. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it works the same way where we go page by page because there's a story. There's a story happening where there's where we're following these heroes and characters, but we don't have that with this. We're part of this character in this that's more or less just a bystander kind of thing. I mean, we had in Kingdom Come, we had uh, Norman Priest, basically, who was this witness, and he was there, and we had this story unfolding, and he was kind of both impartial to it, but also you also get to be and see the other sides of the story. This story is all straight perspective through one person. And it's none of the character. It's not through any character that we're familiar with. It's not a hero. It's not a villain. It's just this reporter guy. So when I've been talking about it, I've kind of described it as like a Marvel highlight reel, mm -hmm. but in like the golden age, right? Where we're seeing all these characters kind of bound to like that in the 1940s through the 1970s? Yeah, it originally was four issues, and each issue is like Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, mm-hmm. modern. Yeah. Building its way up, which Jeff just pointed out, I don't know if you saw in the previews, but there are four annotated editions of this coming out. I did, that's why I brought that oh, up. Oh, there yes. it is, awesome. It's yeah, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I was wondering if maybe for this one, since there's shorter stories... And it doesn't have that same kind of event by event thing. We can kind of just go through each of these books and then kind of summarize what's happening. Let we don't have to go as much as page by page unless you want to. Um, but then we can use the opportunity to talk more about um, what's going on in each one of these books because I felt like I had a lot of questions, but also a, a lot of comments because this is something. I started reading this, and I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. I, I liked Alex Ross's art, but where it started, the 1940s was a very it, – it was unfamiliar territory for me with these characters. Yeah. So as it progressed, it just got really, really interesting and really cool. So 
I don't know if we want to go that route where we kind of just yeah, go through yeah, that, let's that do way. Because basically, Phil Sheldon, the reporter, the main character, this story of Marvels, it's literally from the beginning of the Marvel Universe right up to almost the current time when this came out in the mm-hmm. early 90s, I think. In early, yeah, in the early 90s. Super, yeah, fascinating. Um, so, yeah, do you, so tell us, tell us a little bit about book one with, like, this Dr. Frankenstein-esque setup. Yeah, which originally, Marvels was four issues, and then they released <clears throat> the zero issue after the four, but chronologically, the zero issue comes first, and it's the introduction of Marvel's first superhero, which was the original Android Human Torch in, in 1938. So he was. was he was the first first? Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this story, I mean, in this story. in the real world, our mm-hmm. world, yeah. The human torch, this human torch, was the first Marvel superhero. Within the world of Marvels, there was other characters before him, like mm-hmm. the Golden Age Angel, and mm-hmm. even World War One. There was a biplane pilot named the, the Phantom Eagle. Mm-hmm. So they were around, but within canon. In canon, but, okay. Yeah, in the okay. real world, the human torch was the first one. Interesting. So yeah, so he's cyborg. He's a cyborg. He's a or android. You said he's an android, which later on they don't mention that in this story. Mm-hmm. But later on, Ultron used the original Human Torch's body to create the Vision. Oh, <laughs> oh I did not know. But that. then I think they retroactively changed that. Yeah, because I was going to say because they brought the Human Torch back. I heard about <laughs> Human Torch. Like I was, I remember first seeing this Human Torch. Like a Wikipedia article or something. I was like, wait, like Johnny Storm was in the past? It's like, oh no, it's like a robot one. I was like, okay. And then he disappeared, didn't see anything. And then I think it was like three or four years ago or something, he showed up in, I can't even remember the arc, but I was like, oh, he's still around? He still does stuff? Yeah, John Byrne brought him back in the 80s in West Coast Avengers. And it was a cool story because everybody to that point had thought, well, wait, I thought his body was vision. The vision. Mm -hmm. How can he be back? And then they revealed all this other convoluted stuff. Yeah, I so, love that convolution. And I had the same thing when I was a kid in the 70s. I thought, Johnny Storm was in World War II? How is that possible? <laughs> there, was, there was another human torch? What? <laughs> and he was a robot? What? I was really confused because I have never read a Fantastic Four comic. Mm-hmm. And so the only sort of exposure I've had to the human torch was a couple of crappy movies. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, where's, where's his sister? She, the Invisible Woman is Johnny Storm's sister, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I was totally thrown for a loop. And I had, I was like, oh, it's another flaming character. And then when they called him the Human Torch, I was really perplexed. It's like time, yeah. Every, every, time, space, distortion. I know. I'm so excited. Their, their Marvel's going to start release, re-releasing a remastered, annotated versions of Marvel's as issues and then collect it all. That's so I'm really cool. excited to get that. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, to explain stuff like that, it, it would be nice. For new readers. So anyway, the zero issue, the first chapter, um, starts with this great quote from Frankenstein um, and gets into this whole, just how the original Human Torch feels like the Frankenstein monster. He's created by a scientist who, through some unexplained flaw, he wasn't expecting this, when the android, human, the android comes in contact with the air, he bursts into flames, but he's not hurt or anything, so... And then when the scientist reveals them to the public, he calls them the Human Torch because for dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. And people freak out and everything. And so the scientist decides to bury him in the earth in this airtight container. And it's beautifully drawn, the colors here and everything. Yeah. But he still has technology of the night, late 30s. He still somehow feeds a wire down to the Human Torch's head. And 
And uh, he gives him Hulu right into his brain. Yeah, <laughs> Hulu to his brain teaches him stuff about stuff. But he's in the earth in this in this steel tomb, so he has no context for things like glass and apple and things. He just has the word and an idea of what it is. So he gets really lonely down there and really sad and starts wondering, well, how come my my father basically abandoned me? And it's it's really touching and sad. Until one day, they, you know, a crack appears and he's able, he burst into flame and he burst out of the ground and people are freaking out and because you know all of a sudden there's this flaming guy walking down the street mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the zero issue and then we get in chapter one. Get a little bit more of it in there, yeah. So and this is where we finally get introduced to the person that we're going to be viewing this world from through his yeah. eyes, Sheldon. Phil Sheldon, um, yeah. With who it took me it took me a little bit of time to figure it out, but. Jonah Jameson next to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 1939, and they're uh, in Brooklyn, and young J. Jonah Jameson is one of his buddies. There's all these wannabe reporter newspaper men sitting around talking about, you know, Hitler's coming to power and over mm-hmm. in Europe, and they're all like, oh, what's going to happen there? And they're just thinking about their, you know, like anybody that age. This what am I going to do with my life? This is the first thing that, I, like, this, this first book got me to, have like a question that comes up later, but the first thing was the fact that the setting is yeah during World War II, 1939, and how this story takes place. That because when I think of characters like Spider-Man and stuff, I like my first introduction was through like the 90s TV show and stuff, seeing him swing through New York like over cars and everything, and like the ne- the 90s X-Men show and stuff. But they've been around far longer, and as we see through this story, like from the 30s forward and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're there, like they don't even have TVs yet, and like they're they're around. So it's so interesting knowing that these characters have kind of been what would be the word, like existence, existence, but um, updated constantly. Like we've had these constant like reboots or resets, mm-hmm. and they each time they're fit into the more of the modern time. Yeah. So it, it's just so interesting to think of where they're gonna like how do they incorporate these characters, like. 30 years down the road now, like, how mm-hmm. is, how is, like, Captain America going to make more sense then, or how is Spider-Man, like, what happens when Spider-Man gets, what happens when we get to, the real, real world gets to the year 2099? What happens to Spider-Man 2099? Does Peter Parker Spider-Man just say, get out of here? Does he become Spider-Man 3099? <laughs> like, I was yeah. curious, I was thinking about the whole time, I was like, how do they, how do they, <laughs> how do they, like, the future timeline characters, too, like, what happens with them? Like, how do they fit in it? Like, I'm from this year. It's like, not anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. There might be nuclear Armageddon or something by then. So maybe it will like, all be wiped clean. Armageddon <laughs> <laughs> 2099. What I really liked about this book, like you were saying, how we got to see these characters, almost how they were originally written, mm-hmm. but we don't have to deal with all that very poor animation or like the dialogue back then. We can say see them. 90s X-Men was poor animation? No, not 90s. No. I'm talking about like back in like the 50s and everything when these characters were originally put yeah. there. We can see the <laughs> stories and how they were used in that setting, mm-hmm. but we can still see it in a modern format. Yeah. So it's almost like we get to, see, like, we get to read our grandparents' comics without having to slog through them. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it okay. does. And, it, and it, we'll get back to that, what you said about the updating the characters. There's a scene later on in book one, at the end of book one, with a bunch of superheroes coming down on Nazis over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of them are the golden age versions, the first <laughs> versions of characters we know the name now, but they updated by just making it a different character with the same really? name. Really? I'm yeah. excited to get to that, because when I got to that page you're talking about, <clears throat> I, I recognized like two, 
maybe three. I can't remember. I have to, we'll have to get back to that page. But I mean, I there was only one that really stood out. Yeah, and that's when, again, the annotated version coming up because there was one character in there. I was like, wait, who is that? And I felt like, oh man, I should know who that is. Um, oh, so book chapter one. So they're talking, and so, some of these wannabe reporters, they've all got their big cameras with the old big flash bulbs and everything. They go to a press release by Phineas Horton, who is the guy who created the Android Torch. Um, and he presents him to the public, and he, he's, he's in the tube, which, little aside, the glass tube, and I think the first Captain America movie, the first well, the Avenger. Easter egg to this? There is, because oh. when him and Bucky, before they get into the war, when they're stateside with their girls and they're at that... The the, re- the World Fair, the Renaissance yeah, Fair. Yeah, the World not Fair. the Renaissance Fair, the World Fair. There's a scene where they show a guy in a in a red bodysuit in a glass tube just like this. That's the Human Torch. I, would, I never <laughs> knew that Like when I first watched it. Good thing I'm going to go back and watch them all again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I also like... Um, so they're showing them off. Everybody's excited. There's something about paper boys selling news on the corner of the street. Well, are you going to do your little voice? Extra. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Walk Street, walk. Wait. Walk, walk Street, street walk yeah. Street, read all about Blazing Man on Fire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you notice that's an in joke too? Because the color of this newsboy's oh, sweater outfit, yeah. and, red. And, and the yellow on, on the, the yellow trim. I think that's Billy Batson, Captain Marvel. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure up ahead too. I feel like Clark Kent's design yeah. is just an average-looking character, but I'm pretty sure in oh, yeah. like book two or three, there's a character that Actually, looks that just Actually, that same like page, the first panel, that's... Uh, oh, up in the top? like with Yeah, the... that's George Reeves as Clark Kent, and that's Noelle Neal as Lois Lane from the Superman TV show oh, from, my from gosh. the 50s. <laughs> and Alex Ross does that, especially these older books. There's Later on, there's a panel that I think Reed or somebody or Sue is in an elevator and... Uh, JFK and Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis are in the elevator next to him. I didn't realize that. I, as I read this entire book, I kept thinking, there is so much in here I'm missing. Yeah, and I mean, oh, there's so much. I, I, it's so The book was so good that I don't want to say it was a frustrating experience, but I don't know how to explain it. It's just, you know that there was more to it the whole time. There's a lot of, it's got its yeah. own Easter eggs and a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that's something that Colton and I were talking about on the way here too, is that we're excited because, I mean, I, I've, I know a, an okay amount, but like I said, I know more of late '90s to current with Marvel and DC Comics, and even then, like not all of it, but like this. As we're watching like big events go through, because it's catching up from when it came out to the modern time of when it came out, like the '90s. There's a lot of events that are happening that like we're getting to see play out. So I'm curious to hear like from your perspective, Roman, what these events are, because mm. we get to see them, but like I still don't know much about them, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and that's. The hook of this whole book is that <clears throat> it's the history of the Marvel Universe, the big moments from a regular human's perspective. And it, it's fun because there's all these big moments, like they mentioned Sue and Reed's wedding and how it all went off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading a reprint of that comic. And the reason it, the ceremony happened without a hitch is because the Avengers and other superheroes were outside the church and in the background in the kitchen and stuff, fighting off all these villains that were trying to break it up. Mm-hmm. But Phil doesn't know that because mm-hmm. it's his perspective. He's in the chapel and everything's fine. That's so <laughs> interesting. Jeez. Uh, yeah, so then, I mean, this book continues with Human Torch running around on the street on fire. 
whaling, probably. Yeah, <laughs> Phil and he's got a girlfriend that, you know, they, they from early on we see, I mean, they're very in love and they're mm -hmm. hopefully going to end up together. And, uh, and then we get introduced to Namor, who's been making problems. And that's the first big Marvel thing and when they were timely comics that they ever did was Namor and the Human Torch, Fire and Water, were always fighting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just destroying stuff left and right. So, yeah, Namor. So would you say, so is Namor an earlier earlier and older creation than Captain America? Probably so. I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah, because I don't think they made Captain America, Jack Kirby, and Joe Simon created him until, I think, 1940 or maybe 41. It was either, I think it was, like, right before we got into the war. They needed uh, a super-powered American to punch Hitler. Yeah, yeah, basically, I think, and yeah, I think that was it. They were like, we need a patriotic character because we're going to get, we're probably, you know, a lot of Americans thought we're going to get into this war mm -hmm. sooner or later, and some of these characters mentioned that. Um, we need a character to boost morale and be patriotic and mm -hmm. everything. And anyone definitely wasn't that. <laughs> no, no, at this, at this point, he was, except for Betty Dean, the policewoman, everybody thought, oh, he's just a creep and he's an alien, kind of, you know, from undersea. Nobody trusted him. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to know, like, I mean, the personality of Namor has stayed pretty consistent where he's <laughs> either a good guy or he's not a good guy constantly. Yeah. He's very much just a flip-flopper. Yeah, he's a flip-flopper. Yeah. He's consistently inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a bad guy right Does, now. Currently. Yeah, it doesn't, take, it doesn't take much for him to turn and go back to being bad. But, I mean, no. there's a lot of times where, it, I mean, even the new Avengers run they're doing right now, it's because the oceans are being killed and, like, yeah. Anything that happens on the surface affects down there too. So he's just constantly mad about yeah. everything that happens above. So yeah. yeah, and John Byrne in the '80s in the Namor series introduced a thing where the reason is it like in the '40s and '50s that he was so mercurial is because he had a it was some kind of like hormonal imbalance or something. Oh, really? To yeah. explain how like sometimes he was like with the invaders and fighting Nazis, other times he was like trying to destroy New York. <laughs> <laughs> he's had some low T. Yeah. yeah, or maybe he's bipolar. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh, Namor. <laughs> uh, so yeah, now and this is where we see this fire and water like things start happening because Human Torch is making a name for himself in New York, kind of walking around doing good. Like even uh, Phil even is like sitting next to him at a diner with J. Jonah Jameson. They don't even realize it. Yeah, he just pieces out, burns through the window. Yeah, because he was he was always struggling to be accepted and mm -hmm. wanting to be human. He even joined the, they don't mention this, but he even joined the police force under his, like, human identity, John Hammond, mm -hmm. um, to be accepted by people and be a hero. And when they do mention it here, we do see, as Phil's walking around town, thinking about these new superpower beings, and he calls them marvels because mm -hmm. they're marvelous. Um we see the angel, the original angel, the golden age angel, jumping across the roof from rooftop to rooftop above him out of sight. And he was just a masked adventurer, didn't have any powers, I don't oh. think. Didn't have any wings, but he called himself the angel. angel. Wow, somebody um, thinks really highly of themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he looked like Errol Flynn. <laughs> um, I almost thought that was a Superman reference with how he looks. Big yeah, blue with so a red too. cape. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of characters back then had <laughs> the Superman imitation. <laughs> so, yeah, we got Namor fighting Human Torch, Namor threatening the city. Um, 
Then they're they're making friends. Then yeah, was... this is this was this was the thing that I found was very interesting was the next the next or towards the end is this Phil character because I mean he's also like along with everybody else it's trying to grasp the concept of these people with these crazy godlike powers basically that can do things that no normal people can and it like it like it makes them feel smaller because they talk he talks about like before just like days before just like just right before they started showing up they were all you know they felt like they could do anything like they felt like they were on top of the world like yeah. like anything that they put their minds to they could accomplish and then these people just show up and then it just makes them feel like they're more or less just like obstacles in the way of bigger things like they're just yeah, it makes him feel insignificant. 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 And, and that's how he feels. And then it's got kind of that feeling of... What, oh, like, uh, easy. It's it's fragile masculinity. Yeah, because yeah. he talks... He, it is. He, he feels emasculated that he can't... That he doesn't have the same power level as these two macho figures <laughs> fighting and splish-splashing through the city. So yeah. he rescinds his engagement to his wife because he just can't protect any future family, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell from her dialogue that that she doesn't care about him being able to protect her or anything, and, then and we'll, she's rightfully very pissed. And there's <laughs> no reason to to care that much because, as we're going to find out in this book, he doesn't really do much to protect his family. He does more or less just run to make things worse for his family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's something going on outside. I better go take a photo of it. Yeah. Well, what about us and the kids? Like, stay inside. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Hey, he he's put some you know bread on the table. He finds yeah. he finds a way to like justify what he's doing as like his role among all of it, which is very interesting throughout this book. It is, it is, because he makes that assumption and in my own judgy way, I could say mistake of thinking, well, I got to put bread on the table. I got to earn a living to support my family and everything without ever considering, well, maybe I should find an easier way to make a living that doesn't take me away from my family all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. I do actually really like the Phil character and I like him because of how, shitty he is sometimes almost because it makes him feel more human because as mm. a reader and as a writer i'm sure uh like we know that you know in the future like in the future books that we're going to talk about that you know mutants are good they're not bad mm -hmm. we know that the heroes are good and not bad but he's always having this like back and forth debate and he's making human mistakes along the way he he definitely is and that's what like i was i was going to chip in is He's not a perfect person, but it's like he's going forward on one thing, but kind of going back on the other. Because that's the thing is he's he's grappling with the idea of like, oh, are mutants good? Like to just kind of talk about his arc throughout this is it's developing him of like seeing these marvels is like it emasculates him to, you know, being supportive of them and to then like kind of, you know, wanting to do, do for them, do good for them. And then mutants, he instinctively is afraid and reacts in fear and panic and strikes back at mutants. And then you see him come to terms and become more accepting to where he is defending mutants. But at the same time, you're watching him constantly just bail on his family and just ignore them. Like he's growing uh, as a person to the idea of these, these new, like these new like heroes and beings in the world, but it's just <laughs> taken forever to realize how to be a, Parent. Well, I, I, kind of on two fronts. I'm thinking one, 
that, I think that is actually more accurate though to the time though, mm-hmm. where men were really absent in yeah. like the family process. And in the future, if he does stay with his wife or not, and if they do have two daughters that, you know, especially with a female centric family, I could probably see that a father might be more absent in that time period than if there was like a son yeah. that they would feel more akin to, which I don't think that's right. Uh, but I also like what you're saying, like that he has this instinctual uh, sense of safety and security with the Marvels or the Avengers, but he has that distrust towards the mutants. And I think that really reflects accurately too about human growth mm-hmm. and the way we change our minds because it's not, we can have those cognitive dissonances with certain areas where we might grow in one area, but another area would naturally should come with it, but we are held up in that area. And just because like we grow in one area doesn't mean that we're still shitty in other areas. Yeah. And I, I just thought he was really well written for how average he is. Oh, definitely for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Plus, there's also the fact that him and his buddies, I mean, they're all in their early 20s and mm-hmm. they're coming out of the Great Depression, which they kind of met, uh, hint at in here that, you know, not only all that stuff about masculinity, but. Um, Americans felt like, like, oh, we got out of the, we survived the depression. We got out of that. We're, you know, we're sitting pretty now. Things are awesome. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's World War II. People, people, <laughs> yeah, World War II. And right before that, people flying through the air and on fire and able to do all these things. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. He, Until Captain America shows up. Then everybody's all, then that's when, like, the shift really starts happening. Yeah. When people become more supportive and more cheering. And that's where we see they go to the movies and, they see a film about Namor and Human Torch. They get all excited. Also, Easter egg alert, Nick Fury in this, uh, oh, yeah. hanging out. And to- right before that, Popeye. <laughs> oh, is it supposed to be Popeye? Yeah, it's Popeye. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, but, yeah, Nick Fury, and, I, and I'm, I'm guessing that's the redhead that's got him in the, the, the chokehold there is Dum Dum Dugan. Oh, I didn't, think, I didn't realize and maybe that. Maybe the guys on the porch or some of the other Howling Commandos. I don't know. Oh, I didn't even realize that. But nice. yeah, that was that was an interesting touch that Captain America shows up and then all of a sudden everything changes all because the, they're, yeah, they're all like, "Hey, that's a superhero, a Marvel that looks yeah. like us." Yeah, yeah, he's and he's wearing a white male colors. American soldier. I can yeah. get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a half naked guy with a weird shaped head and pointed ears or on fire. <laughs> but you know, Captain America turns it around for them, and now they're all cheering on for these heroes. Uh, uh, we got Phil's relationship with his girlfriend goes back to being together yeah oh and actually in that newsreel scene yeah uh-huh. there's another easter egg i'm pretty sure just by the coloring the two the blonde guy and the younger dark-haired kid next to him in the movie theater and that are in the army uniforms uh-huh. i'm pretty sure that's steve rogers and bucky barnes right there <laughs> oh same i this highlights the fact that there are all these Easter eggs that I'm just missing. Oh, yeah, there's so many. Well, me too. There's there's characters in here, people in the that. background what, what and stuff that, that I'm just like, that looks familiar. That, I bet that's somebody famous. Don't know who it is. It's at the top of, though, the pages aren't numbered in this. No, that's right. Um, uh, it's when they're watching the newsreel of. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah I see, see how the panel, saying. they're right in the center kind of, yeah. and, and the coloring on them is br- a, little, a tiny bit brighter than everybody else? Yeah. Oh, Alex Ross, <laughs> clever guy. Yeah, and then after that, everybody's supporting Namor and the Torch and and Captain America. Give him hell, Torch. And Phil finally like realizes because of all that, like, well, 
Doris, I was wrong. <laughs> I can, can be a man, and there can be heroes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to be able to light myself on fire and fly through the air. So they reconcile and start up the relationship again, which is very sweet. Um, and then Namor, they now, and then they hear an announcement. Namor is uh, flooding New York City, invading <laughs> <laughs> New York. Well, well he starts in uh, in Africa, but then makes his way toward America. Doesn't take him long. And then this scene where they're like, so Phil and this other reporter running to a rooftop to get coverage. Is that is that supposed to be Jonah Jameson there too? Yeah, yeah, okay. he's through a lot of this with Phil kind of side by side, but they end up working for different papers. But Yeah, I like, well, the call out too that I got that it was Jonah Jameson in the very beginning when they introduced him is he's talking about how he'll run the bugle. Oh, just yeah. like wait and see kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's something like I found interesting is I kind of would love to explore Jonah Jameson's arc or love to at a perspective oh, for him because yeah. they touch on it a little bit towards the end. He's just such an interesting character and so vindictive against the Marvels compared to Phil. Oh, I feel like he's kind of like the yin to the yang about yeah. like the dual like approach to Marvels. Mm -hmm. Like whether you, like, you move towards them or whether you move away from them. Mm -hmm. I was just checking it and it's interesting. He doesn't have his little Hitler stash that he has like in later on in the 60s with Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. He decided wisely not to wear that when Hitler was around. <laughs> but yeah, this panel, two-page panel when... Uh, and this was from the comics, the Golden Age comics, when Namor flooded New York. And it's just an awesome panel. Phil gets up to his rooftop to take pictures, and that must have been terrifying. Yeah. Human Torch is this tiny flaming figure above it because there's nothing he can do. Yeah, he's just like, well, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah, it's a beautiful two-page spread. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Phil ends up at the hospital because as the Torch and Namor are fighting... Um, a piece of piece of masonry clocks Phil in the head, or well grazes him. If it clocked him directly, he'd be dead. But but he ends up in the hospital with uh, permanent damage to his eye, which I found incredibly helpful. When I was seeing this sea of like white faces, I could just find that <laughs> eye patch that he has, like yeah, right right in like the big like huge crowds. Yeah, yeah. There's no mistake in that. It's either Nick Fury or Phil Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So and yeah, things are looking good for Phil. He's got his he's got married. He's now he's going to the report in the war. So here we're at that page we're talking about. Uh, oh, yeah, with all these redesigned characters or the original appearances that just get upped and redesigned. Yeah. So Phil, I'm gonna Phil's can I can I take a guess at who some of these are supposed to be? Sure. Yeah, Phil's a photojournalist covering the war. There's an attack on this Nazi base by a bunch of superheroes. I see. Okay, so from left to right, I see. Bucky Barnes and Captain America, which looks like they're in the same parachute. They are. I don't know. Yeah, there's best buds. You yeah, know. I don't know why <laughs> Captain America's got him under his arm like Bucky Machines got some Namor, what looks like the Vision. That's the yeah. That's the Golden Age Vision. That's the Golden Age, and then a man with a skull who I can only guess would be a Punisher. Pretty close. Yeah, that's actually the Destroyer. Okay. <laughs> and the Golden Age Vision was actually an alien from another dimension. He did look oh. like an like an alien. His real name's Arcus. Interesting. You got Black Widow, I'm guessing? Yeah, very okay. good. That's the cape. Though this Golden Age Black Widow, she's actually an agent of Satan. Oh, but because she, Satan. But because she tried to re reject Satan, she like 
fought Nazis. Oh, <laughs> well, wow, that's, that's some weird. good propaganda that yeah. the Nazis are Satan. Yeah, there was somebody on the far right above the building. I don't know who that is. And, yeah, I don't know who that is either. And just, then just generic cape. Then on the right, under what I believe is the Ghost Rider, looks like a X Men. Yeah, see, and I can't remember that guy's name either, the one with the, the black hood, and it's not the black hood, that was a different comic. Is it company. like it's the original cloak? I don't know if there was another cloak. There's two no. human torches in this. So yeah, the human torch, because just like Bucky and Cab was very popular back then for the adult hero to have a teenage sidekick. Mm-hmm. So the original human torch, and that's Toro. He didn't have a, he, that was just his name, Toro the Flaming Boy, who was actually a mutant. Oh, okay. oh, just like Namor's a mutant. Namor's Marvel's first mutant, they said retroactively. Yeah. And then the guy that looks like Ghost Rider, it's actually the Blazing Skull. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and I forget. If same origin, a, similar yeah. origin story. You know, yeah. Sp- spirit of not vengeance, but, you know, gonna get you this. <laughs> uh, well, that's something also with Marvel, too. Like, I've, this is off the topic of the Marvel's book, but there, this was a, like, this... This age period was around some of the last time that they had sidekicks, wasn't it? Because I don't, I haven't known Marvel comics for a long time, yeah. and even in shows and like any of the Wikipedia articles or like YouTube videos, I haven't really seen sidekicks in Marvels the way DC has had sidekicks. Mm, they right. seem to have been out for a long time, and I didn't know if that was because of the storylines where Bucky died or quote unquote died, and it was kind of like this concept of having these kids on the battlefield kind of thing. Yeah, they moved away from it. I don't know what that was all about, but yeah, and I think I think maybe they did just like in the late '40s, especially into the early '50s, because that's when um, all the propaganda and stuff like the um, Senate that ultimately related in the Senate subcommittee hearings against EC Comics for mm-hmm. making kids and juvenile delinquents. I think even before that, there was some like. People saying, well, you know, they've got these teenagers like fighting Nazis yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it was like and Captain America's holding this small boy. He's like, yeah. here, small boy, hold yeah. this gun. Yeah, Shoot this, some Nazis. This other teenagers I, that on, sounds nothing more American than that. <laughs> yeah, this other teenager's on fire. They didn't want to encourage kids like, you know. And, you know, Trevor, I, <laughs> I was just thinking that maybe part of that reason, like that void of like young heroes, I feel like it might be filled by the X-Men almost where you have – they're like, like they're like kind of like the Teen yeah. Titans. Yeah, well, they can. And their like powers develop as they become teenagers. They yeah, go they were supposed to be teenagers stuff. when they they're started. Supposed to be young, but man, the Colossus did not look like a young teenager <laughs> when they kept showing them. And then that whole Kitty Pride thing back then, I was like, ooh, it's awkward. Like eight year difference or something. But I yeah, mean, I think when Colossus first showed up, he was supposed to be nineteen. Yeah, and she was like thirteen. That's one hell of a big burly a Russian big, farm that's boy. A big boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I but I mean, I do like that the representation they have now. of like these younger heroes in current Marvel comics. I mean, they have the champions yeah. and all these, and they're not like these sidekicks. I mean, they've even yeah, had, like, they've just... made a point to like continue on legacy and then Marvel backtracked on that. And they're like, no, you're not continuing on legacy. You're going to be your own things, I guess. Like, yeah, I like that too. They're not people just want the... people want regular Hulk back and yeah. Captain America back. Stop being, stop taking over. Like just, you can still stay, just find a different name. Yeah, they're not just miniature, especially like, the original Torch in Toro, he's not just a miniature version of the Torch. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. At least Bucky had a, his own thing going on. <laughs> and then he dies as it becomes his really own thing. <laughs> <laughs> Super hardcore. And he's getting his own run again. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Soldier, oh, Black yeah. Widow are getting runs again. Uh, so book two is the introduction of the mutants. Yeah, book two jumps. So the first one was in the 40s, late 30s, 40s. Book two starts off with... Uh, Basically, the Silver Age, the 60s introduction of Spider-Man and the FF, the X-Men. 
and you got Captain America jumping around. So yeah, Phil's a little bit older. He's got Captain gray Black. mustache hair now. Yeah, he must be in his late mid thirties. I'm guessing now. Man, to have like gray mustache at mid thirties. Well, it was at different times. Everybody smoked and you know drank uh, their lunches. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the stress of having to deal with these godlike beings running around. Must have been really weighed yeah. on them. Uh, so yeah, you got Thor, Iron Man, Giant Man, like all the mans. Yeah, and now people are super excited about them. They're like celebrities, just you know cheering for them, getting excited about everything. Phil's being successful with his photos. Um, he's kind of so he's a freelancer. He's going to different publishers, different newspaper places, and selling his photos. Everywhere yeah. and it's doing pretty well for him. He's wearing an eye patch because that masonry did permanent damage to his eye. Yeah. Oh, here's that panel with the bottom of this page with Phil in the elevator with uh, JFK and and Jackie Kennedy up against the wall behind him or to the side of him. Is that after the Giant Man page? Yeah, it's when he's going up to meet his publisher. Oh yeah, him. okay. Oh yeah, I see now. Oh, or I'm... no, he's left the publishers. Yeah, and he's got a big smile on his face. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the little Easter yeah, eggs. Yeah, because he just got the. Got the deal to do a book of his photos. And then, yeah, so we got the introduction of the X-Men, which they look terrifying in this. Yeah, and this was really well done because as the crowd is rushing away from these X characters, they pass this window display of Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, yeah. her her clothing designs because, you know, she made she made a good career out of out of designing clothes and stuff other than being an Avenger. And she's so well accepted and loved, and she's a socialite and everything. And then you got the X Men, who you know, just with any kind of prejudice, they just why does Cyclops and Marvel Girl? Why are people afraid of them? They look just look like regular people. Yeah, I mean, except for the costumes. But no, no, they're all hated and feared instantly. Oh yeah, I really like that how you said that because I didn't even think about that when I was reading it. That there's this really big juxtaposition that you see this giant commercial success and branding mm-hmm. of an Avenger. Yeah. And then immediately a block away, you have this giant crowd of people mobbing mobbing on the X-Men. Yeah. And why is, like, Iceman or Angels, like, scarier than, say, well, the Blazing Skull? He's accepted as a superhero, and he's... Yeah, he's a, a Blazing Skull. Yeah. He fought some Nazis, That's though. terrifying. That's way more terrifying than a snowman and a guy with wings. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, also, a child with a gun. Yeah, with an older man, yeah. it's also scarier than an ice man. Who's just exercising a Second Amendment rights? If those apply in Germany, <laughs> international. Uh, but yeah, you see, kind of like that fear and panic take over Phil, and he gets kind of swept away by yeah. everything. And this is where you kind of start seeing that, you know, sl- that progression of him kind of developing and maturing from his initial thoughts of mutants to understanding them and, and he, sympathizing. He has this great quote during his confrontation where he throws a a chunk of rock at uh, Cyclops, he says, Cyclops says in response, you're not even worth the time, or they're not even worth it. Oh, yeah. yeah. He throws it to Iceman, yeah. and Cyclops stops Iceman from, like, attacking him. <laughs> and I, I thought, that was another thing I really liked about the Phil character, is throughout all this, as new information comes in, there's always this period of, like, processing and initial fear, yeah. and then moving forward and overcoming it, and, like, trying to do the research and work around it. Which I think that is so accurate to how everybody is, whether there's new technology or new like cultural concepts or ideas that are flowing around. There's always this knee-jerk reaction of "that's not how I do it," afraid, bad, get away. That's how I felt yeah. about Teen Titans Go. <laughs> and then you embraced it, the madness. <laughs> <laughs> I embraced it with that, and then I watched one and it had a really intense musical. I was like, "All right, all right, maybe I was wrong about you." <laughs> Maybe it's wrong about you and your self-referential bashing on yourself. 
so yeah, I mean, he then you see him go back to his family. Uh, he's got two daughters, his wife. If I had his daughters, I would be so ecstatic. Like two girls freaking like playing hero and like wrestling each other. Like that's all I could ever want. I know these are great kids. <laughs> Too bad he isn't around enough to, you know, <laughs> like see their lives see with that. them. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, days go on. They oh so yeah days go on. They get an offer to go to a gala where the Fantastics are. So you were asking me about this in the car. You were kind of curious about who all these people were. So Roman. I was going to try to answer questions for him and point out some Easter eggs and then see if you can back me up on it and tell me if I'm oh, right. Okay. Um, so you've got all the statues of characters. Oh, right. This is Alicia Masters. Um, Which Alicia. First big show. This, he was asking who that was. That's uh, b- basically Ben Grimm's girlfriend. And he's yeah. about to get married to her in like the next issue of Fantastic Four this month. She's, yeah. she's blind. Okay. And she's a sculptor. Okay. And she fell in love with Ben Grimm. And that and that's who she is. That's who she is. That's how okay. I know she is. She showed up in like the second Fantastic Four movie or something. She was in the cartoons. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, she's back in the she's in the comics right now and this like they're doing this wedding and even the writers are like, Don't worry, we're not gonna bail on this wedding. <laughs> <laughs> this wedding is gonna happen because no other wedding in the comics have happened in Marvel or DC lately. Yeah, They're gonna vow to vow to all the people who are reading it that's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, they had. I guess you had the Mister and Mrs. X wedding, but I don't really count that. Oh. Like it was, it was neat, but like they built up so much hype for other characters and then oh, just yeah. shot it down in the dumbest ways. It's like, all right, no, whatever. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It's like good for you, Rogue Gambit, but like, eh. Like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't really want to see that. I want to see Colossus and Kitty Pride. Like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, Batman I and subscribe to all the bonus oh. issues. Like, don't the, even talk about that. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Actually, though, you know, I am enjoying the Tom King Batman run immensely, so I'll, I'll go with it. It hurt, it hurt, and then I didn't know if I could get over it, and then issue fifty-one came out. I was like. Okay, I'm okay. I'll be okay. His suffering is me being okay. Yeah, his suffering yeah. is my pleasure. His suffering is my good content to read. So I and, guess and it's we fine. We mentioned that on the other podcast last night because we're like, you know, it sucks that you didn't get married, but if Bane does, like, destroy Batman and he stops being Batman, well, then him and Catwoman can get married because the whole reason she didn't marry him was because he needs to be Batman. Or, you know, what could happen is they could just finish this arc and they could just get married and stop <laughs> saying, it's because you're Batman. They can do it on other timelines. They can do it in the main timeline. Yeah. Let's just let's just let's just not be afraid to like step out of this like boundary line. Just you know. I mean, Batman can be happy and punch we people. Don't, we don't need to hide yeah. behind these else worlds and these alternate realities. Just you know, go for it. Take that leap. You can, you yeah, can just always retcon. You can always yeah. relaunch. Just because they're married doesn't mean Catwoman still couldn't make him miserable like she's done in the past. She she, she'd even have more access to make it miserable, yeah, some might yeah. say. She'll have more resources I mean, if you to want to talk with. about emotional conflict, just think about how intense that story would be if you did the run for years and then they divorced. <laughs> oh. And that, that'd be too real. Jeez. <laughs> I, I, all I want is just like a scene where Batman's working at the computer and a little cat runs across the keyboard and just ruins his search. <laughs> now I'll never find Two-Face. I just wanted, you know, stepmother Catwoman raising Damien. Yeah. See, that, that was my big issue while wow, we're getting off track. Uh, <laughs> but I hated the level of hype given to it. I hated how much I wanted it, how much they made me want it. Mm-hmm. Which I guess... dangled it in front of me like I a I guess big that's good writing steak. then if they got the 
this big of a rouse out of me. They got they got me to they dangled it in front of me like a juicy steak, and I unhinged my jaws, <laughs> bit it, and then they took it away. Yeah. Oh well. Anyways, back to Marvels. Uh, so in the background, so you got Tony Stark there. If you look in the background on the next page, Colton, uh, under Tony Stark, you got Daredevil in the background. I saw that. Um, you've also got. <laughs> I was guessing some of these other people that were staring at statue, statues potentially might have also been some of these heroes, too. Is that Black Widow on that same panel as uh, Daredevil in that uh, black outfit with the red? I thought it was, but I think... Or Scarlet Witch? Oh, no, that that's... Uh, at this time, he would have been... Um, giant man and the wasp. Oh, oh. that's wasp. Oh, yeah, I guess she I should calls, have seen it. She's got W's on her. Yeah, I ears. just noticed the earrings. Oh, and yeah. her, she calls him Hank. And her outfit is, uh, yeah, Hank Pam. And she's got like that outfit that still kind of looks like the wasp. Yeah. And oh, then you've and got over, obviously the, on the other side of that leg they're in front of. Mm-hmm. I just noticed there's Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, I didn't see him back there. Oh, and then you got Foggy Nelson behind uh, Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Man, there's Daredevil, so many Foggy Nelson, Karen Page. And I love the fact Daredevil is he's feeling the face of the statue of Daredevil. <laughs> Yeah. Gotta make sure it's right. Uh, you got, and then yeah, you got the X Men down at the bottom. And uh, you got well, pretty big, pretty big giveaway though with that one. Yeah. And well, you got more too. What? In, in that same panel with the Wasp and Hank Pym and Daredevil, there's also, and actually this one I only got because they say each other's names. Don and Jane. That's Jane Foster and Don Blake. Don Blake is Thor, at this point. Oh. And they're looking at the statue of the Executioner. And the panel above that, I feel like I should know who that couple is right over Tony Stark's to the right. right shoulder, but I don't. Oh, so many Easter eggs in this. Place. And I think that's Jeez. Willie Lumpkin, the, F- the Fantastic Four's mailman. The guy the, in the glasses, like right behind Tony Stark. Yeah, the old guy with the, the bow tie, yeah. who Doris briefly dated earlier when her and Phil were. Oh, separated. that's him. And then the guy mentions, and oh, she I mentions, really? "Oh, I met him because he's our doorman, or he's our mailman, or something in the building." And now he's the mailman for the Fantastic Four. Interesting. Um, and then you get more of the comment about, you know, people like that whole thing we're talking about. If they look like us, they're fine for the most part. But even the thing still like is yeah. in like kind of the same realm as mutants. Like he's as long if he's not with the Fantastic Four and not next to them, then he's treated basically just as like bad as mutants. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a couple he's, of biddies here like saying how ugly he is and everything and. And Ben can he- kind of can hear them, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But then the, the X-Men pass behind them, or at least three of the X-Men. Here's yeah, one. So X, at least he's Cyclops. not one of those horrible mutants. Mm. X and Cyclops are not happy. They're just scowling in the back. Good for them. Yeah, jeez. Um, so then, yeah, we got, you know, Phil still mulling it over, thinking about mutants, the engagement announcement for Mr. Fantastic and Susan Storm. Uh... People getting excited about that. The Avengers. So you got Hawkeye, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Captain America is the new Avengers. Oh yeah, and that was controversial because they were in, they in were the, all villains, weren't they? Yeah, other than Cap, they were all very recently villains turned good. Like Hawkeye and, was recently turned good. Yeah, they yeah, were all turned good. Yeah, and a lot of these, and at the time, both I've read some of the reprints with the letters pages, and people were writing and complaining. They're going these like these like. Who are these three lousy minor characters with Cap? I mean, who cares? This isn't the Avengers. Oh, man. <laughs> little I like did they know. Yeah. Little and, did they and know. And they had the same thing within the comics, too, with people reacting. Like, wow, oh, these guys. Who, who cares about these people? I do, and I wish they were. I wish they'd come back. <laughs> they used to call them Cap's kooky quartet. Oh, God. 
Okay, but it was like the it was like a whole statement they were making to like that they can reform these yeah like people to turn them good and to be like you know citizens of good basically yeah that was Cap's whole thing oh look and here's J. Jonah Jameson has this little Hitler stash now he's got it yeah <laughs> which they've done like in other Avengers runs that I've seen like yeah. similar concepts like they had Uncanny Avengers that came out a couple years ago where they had uh, Havoc become the leader of the Uncanny Avengers because they wanted to show like good relations between mutants and even mutants can be good like do good kind of thing yeah like put them in the spotlight to show that they're not bad so they've like it's cool that they've been doing this for a long time and like there's a there's a purpose for some of these rosters and teams that they do, which I liked. Yeah, yeah. There's even kind of the whole reason when Hawkeye was leader of the Thunderbolts. That was his whole thinking that you know, I I did it. These guys are, are genuine villains, want to be good now and redeem themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then we got Phil comes home. So in one of the pages, there's the whole like, oh, they must be like his kids must be sneaking food for a dog. But then we find out that they've been you know keeping a little mutant girl like hidden in their house and protecting her because she basically got disowned and abandoned. Yeah, and it was really nice that this brings it home into Phil's life because earlier he'd been talking about how leaving the city out in the suburbs, you know, this all this stuff about superheroes and fear of mutants and everything. That's all in the city. It's not out here in the suburbs where my family lives. Mm-hmm. We're safe. This doesn't affect mm-hmm. us directly. Boom, all of a sudden, it's affecting you directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, is she a character or was she created purely for the story it was just created purely for the story yeah yeah i, I just want to like, like scoop her up i know and, like, I did her. <laughs> and, like, and i feel like that's where it like i felt like phil felt like that at that point it's just like that was his turning point where it really started clicking faster for him that mm. it like he no longer was seeing like mutants as just these monsters it was like they're human they're just as human like he, this humanized everything for him see like something so innocent like did yeah. nothing wrong and, and, and his inner monologue here was great because he's still thinking they were evil the mutants they they wanted to kill us all Every, everybody knew that but then you know and she's got this she's drawn beautifully because she just has this great big sad her eyes definitely lidless do the eyes yeah. and she's crying and and the kids and just the look on her face convinces because he does have a one panel flashback. I've seen this look before, and it's on the face of the the prisoners that I was there taking pictures when they were liberated from Auschwitz. Yeah, and he realizes, wait, this is a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like that that parallel too, because you've got him who's grown and like has he's experienced everything that's changed in the world, and has like you know dealt with like fear and stuff. But then he's got his kids too, which I like. I liked about it is because this is part of their world and they don't see any differences. Like this older generation still is, you know, resi- resistant to accepting mm. like mutants and like the, all these new things coming around them while these like kids are just like, it's well, cool. it's, it's kind of like leapfrog with like generations. Like whenever you have anything new, whether it's technology, you know, new concepts like queerness, feminism mm. or anything that the new generation kind of has to, pull that older generation forward so that they can like get to that same point of acceptance yeah. where you know the girls it was just another like the just maggie character the mutant girl is just a friend that they're trying to help out yeah yeah it's just natural for them to you know be kind and maybe that maybe that's it like children just have that natural ability to be kind and like see past the bullshit that adults construct over like other humans or like know. new information I don't. I don't know about that. Well, not all like, kids. Kurt, Kurt, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt's been having me play. I've been playing a little bit more Fortnite, 
and some not nice kids on that. Not nice kids on that. I'm. Well, you just gotta do good or be better. That's what they tell me. I'm like, I remember when I used to be good, but I wasn't an asshole. I don't need. I like. I didn't realize that your mom jokes were still so prevalent back then. I'm glad. And then I'm not even part of the arguments. I have no mic on. I just play. And then just kids calling each other stupid, and they're like, "Your mom's stupid." It's not what your mom said last night. I'm like, "Oh God, can't handle this." But it's free to play, and it's the only cross-platform game, all cross-platform. So I'm gonna play it, so I can play with my friends. Anyways, off track. So. Can I just a quick interjection? Another yeah, yeah. real in well reference that newspaper down there at the bottom. Uh-huh. The drawing there, I mean, I mean, it's based on one of the old Mars attacks cards. Oh, where it's one. I mean, he 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 drew his own type of Martian there, but it's the original card is one of those Mars attacks like that. Martians. Interesting. Um, so we've got him kind of trying to do, like you said, more research on mutants and understand what that's all about. Uh, he's still grappling with the whole thing where he still has like that flashback of Cyclops telling him he's not worth it, coming to terms with it. And then flash forward, we got the wedding with all kinds of characters making an appearance in that. So for someone like, okay, back to J. Jonah Jameson, for someone who is such an asshole and hates like all these heroes and stuff, it's so interesting to see him at this wedding. Is he there? Where yeah, he? he's there in the background. Smirking. He's next to Norman Osborn behind Iron Man. Oh, right. Yeah, he is there. Okay. Yeah. Like, what a slimy Two-Face. Like, oh, my oh God. I hate villains, or I hate heroes. But I just I'm realized there. right behind Iron Man, too, is Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore. Oh. <laughs> Willie Lumpkin's there God, again, the, Daredevil. I know, there's so many. So and, many. You, and you just see this, because I've read this. This is, like, the third time I've read this. I mean, not recently, but and I'm, I'm still finding new things in the background. Clark Kent's there, I think. Yeah, Nick Fury in the background. Oh, the Beatles are there. Wait. But they're not sitting together. They're, they're sp- dispersed throughout through the audience. I'm yeah. finding the bowl cuts. <laughs> I found one in the very back left corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's George back there. Uh, one behind Doctor Strange. One in the far back corner. Yeah. He's second row to the back. Yeah, the that's middle. John. And, and it's funny because each one of them, there's a girl. Well, it's one guy. There's one guy next to Ringo that's looking at him. But each of the other three, there's a girl sitting next to him looking at him going, wait a minute, that's... <laughs> oh, you're... Wow. Yeah, because right behind Doctor Strange is Paul. I see, and then I see the one two rows back from Doctor Strange. Where's the other? One? That's John. And then I see the one in the back left corner. Where's the fourth one though? Ringo is almost hidden. He's back there at the end of the aisle, right in front of Nick Fury. Oh, yeah. I see him. He's kind of like leaning out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, he's kind of leaning. He's very yeah. cheesing it hard. Gosh, so many little Easter eggs in this book. It's so I cool. Know, I know. <laughs> uh, so we got the wedding, and that's where we're talking about. Like it, Phil talks about how it goes off without a hitch, but like you said, in the background. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of Avengers out there protecting it and stuff. Yeah, in the comic, I think it's an annual, so it's a double-sized story, and half of it is the ceremony, and half of it is all the battles going on, like, in the kitchen and stuff, and outside in the street, where the superhero friends are keeping the villains out of the wedding. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, And then, yeah, we move forward. There's, you know, I mean, this book, this portion of the book is predominantly focused on the mutant aspect, so then we go into... The introduction of the Sentinels and um, the the panic and fear that's still being instilled by the idea of mutants. So like riots are in the street, people are just rioting and looting f- because they're scared and they don't know what they're scared of. Basically, um, just super weird. And the Sentinels show up and everybody's like, "All right, they're shining lights on us. Time to go home." I like the fact that during this riot, you know, 
Phil, his internal monologue, you know, he he's at first he's like, what are, what are they thinking? And then he realizes they're not thinking. Everybody's just beating on people and destroying property just because they're just all consumed by fear and mm -hmm. adrenaline. And, and then he has that moment of realization like, oh, damn, like there's, there's a little mutant girl at my house. So yeah. he finally runs home to his house. Um, like he's panicking, gets there. And then there's like that sad note from Maggie, which we find out it's her name, little mutant girl. So she leaves a note and like, that's like rough. And like part of me is really sad because I mean, I want the closure. We, yeah, I want the closure. We don't find out what happens to her. No, we like, never, never, do. never do. And like, and that's how he feels about it too. It's like, we never know what happened to her. Yeah. And I really liked it that uh, Kurt Busiek did that in here and didn't use a, just that she was a little girl version of some a character we know. Because mm -hmm. then we, you know. Know what not, happened. It's not as emotionally impactful because we'd be like, oh, well, so she grew up to I be mean, this person and she's fine. No, I, we don't know. Maybe she died that night. We don't know. I, I guess I'd rather take the I don't know than the darker version of what could have happened kind of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, it it left an impression on the, on the family. So And it left an impression on Phil. So that was... There's a really touching moment. Um, do, do the Sentinels kill the mutants? Do they capture them? Um, uh, does it depend? Uh, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the writer. I, I think the guy who created them, Bolivar Trask, he wanted them to kill them, but he, I think he made it so they were supposed to capture them and then bring them someplace secret and kill them you know, privately. Kill them there, uh -huh. because, yeah, I mean, it's one thing to like say you want to kill mutants, but you can't just do it in the street. That's true. Um, People don't like to see violence face to face. No, no. That X Men. Did you read any of the X Men Gold Run, Roman? No. They. I think so. It's a little rough start, and then it got good. It got really good, and then it kind of like, and then after that wedding thing, and then it got a little eh. But they did <laughs> introduce Sentinels and Sentinels into that again. Now it's like they did Nano Sentinels, and it basically changed its shape, but they like killed anything with a mutation. So even wow. regular people, it's like, that person wasn't a mutant. It's like... They were pre-mutant. Like, yeah, but he had two different colored eyeballs. Like, that's a mutation. It's like, oh. So that, wow. was, a, that was a cool, like... Yeah, geez. They, I wish they would have done that, like, more than two issues kind of thing. Because <laughs> when they talked about that and it started happening, I was like, that's really messed up. And But kind of a cool story they could have kept doing. Yeah. Because, I mean, that would... I mean, what if you had a resistance to sickle cell anemia or something? That's a mutation, right? So yeah, any any mutation. <laughs> it was super interesting. I was like, oh, they should have dove into that more. That was kind of cool and also scary. Uh, yeah. So we're moving on to book three. So this one was a really really cool one, and like I this this was a this whole thing is Fantastic Four focused for this one. Yeah. And this was a event that I haven't read before, and I don't even know. Do they have Roman? Do you know if they if there's a like, I mean, we have a trade paperbacks and stuff, but is there a Galactus event focused around this? Oh, yeah, that collects his first appearance. This so his first appearance and, like, this whole story. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have it, but I know there's been a collection of it. There's been it a was, collection of it. It was only, you know, back in these days, huge event like that. It was only three issues. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Like, three. <laughs> but then yeah. again, like, you said, like, there's four issues coming out for this. These things are, like, big, thick books. Like, I figured yeah, like, this each series, book is, like, two, three issues each. Yeah, this series was prestige format. That, which was a term they used then for the the, the bigger, big, thick, okay. heavy cardstock, fully painted comics. Interesting. Uh, so we've got this whole thing where the so we've got Avengers Day. Uh, the introduction of Shield finally starts happening. Where they're this organization that's coming in and handling threats and stuff now. 
So the world's growing more and more. There's new threats. There's new deterrents for these threats, new heroes, new organizations. Um, they go to the zoo, uh, Phil's family, and everything starts flooding. While meanwhile, there's foreshadowing from a crazy guy outside talking about Judgment Day and like the three signs of things are about to go real bad, real fast. Yeah, and I didn't, and I didn't know this. Apparently, at the time Tony Stark was under investigation by Congress, they wanted him to reveal his identity. Uh huh. Um, yeah, they kept talking about it, but they never, uh, they never acknowledged that he was Iron Man. It was kind of when they finally did. It was very nonchalantly. It just kept doing this build of like, where's Tony Stark? He's missing. Like, hiring this Iron Man around to do his work, and he's like hiding. And then, like, by the final book, they're like, you know, that's what you get for a dress rich boy dressing up in an Iron Man suit. So it's like, they didn't even make a big deal. Like, I figured they would have done like a big story about it. Um, do you know who this half naked savage that got captured is? This Easter egg. Oh, um, yeah, that's uh, oh, Daredevil accused of murder. Um, yeah, that's Kazar the Savage from the Savage Land. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because he, first, about he first appeared, the modern version of him first appeared about this time. It turns out there was a Kazar in the 40s in Golden Age comics, totally different guy. Okay. Except that he was a white dude that was raised in the jungle. <laughs> gotcha. Man. Uh, so we get our second sign, Fire in the Sky. That was another beautiful spread. We get our final sign, which I think is like, I mean, the other, the fire in the sky is a really cool spread, but I, I like the <laughs> silver surfer appearance with the light shining behind it, like millions of like meteors, basically, or rocks floating in the sky, and the silver surfer just comes out between all of them. That yeah. is a super gorgeous shot, like super cool. Yeah, that's beautifully done. And, and, and I like the panel below of all the people on the street like trying to shield themselves because automatically you're thinking, yeah, like this guy's filled with boulders. We're all going to be crushed. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, Alex Ross draws a really good silver surfer. Yeah. He, he does good. I think he silver does. Silver surfer. Him and Jack Kirby, you know, the best silver surfers. Yeah. Like the way, cause Alex Ross already does like this shiny, like art style and bright. So to do a, a, a chrome metallic being, on top of being a shiny drawing artist already, looks really good. Yeah, and I love how on the cover of it, it's a close-up of the Silver Surfer, and you see the Human Torch reflected in his torso. Yep. You see the city of New York reflected in his forehead. I just love that. Yeah, <laughs> super just really cool stuff. And then we finally get the uh, reveal of who's... Who's causing all this problem? Yeah, Galactus. That's a beautiful shot too with the yeah, you know, the, the rainbow light. prism mm -hmm. effect. <laughs> yeah, super cool character. Yeah, I don't really know much about Galactus. I like Galactus' word balloons, how they're in that thick, like purple outline of yeah. his word balloons. It's so booming. Just to let you know what he means. And I love I love I don't know if it was intentional, but when I interpret this picture down below is You've got the Fantastic Four running towards this battle. You've got thing, the thing like looking for a fight. Human Torch, you can't really tell uh, behind that. But you've got, and you got Susan Storm, but you've got Reed Richards, which I find is like the most interesting facial expression because his is the most genuinely worried out of all of yeah. them. Because I look at Reed Richards like always calm and like there's always a solution kind of thing. But this is like the first time where like even he in the moment is just like, I don't know what we're going to be able to do about this. Like this is really, really out of nowhere and big. Yeah. He looks really concerned. Yeah. 
As he should be, because right away they're getting their butts kicked. Yeah. <laughs> wrecked. And I like the little, I like how they mentioned the watcher at first, but you don't see him. And then, uh, then finally, a couple like the next page, you see him in the background, just pointing at, uh, pointing at this hospital. For Galactus, like, look over there, hospital, <laughs> <laughs> destroy yeah. that. You shouldn't destroy these helpless people. <laughs> oh, the watcher. Yeah, the art too for like the Galactus's weapons and everything was really cool. The reaction people have, but then you've got like all these reporters where everybody's panicking and freaking out. The reporters are all they see dollar signs. Yeah, they're getting their cameras ready. They're running out there. It's not they don't see. Do- I don't think it's like they see dollars. Well, Phil doesn't at least. Phil sees it as like it was like their way of contributing, their way of making yeah. a difference is to take photos and chronicle it basically for like people to see, mm-hmm. which was very interesting. Like that was their purpose. Kind of like they gave that they gave themselves that as like a purpose. So when Galactus eats plants, does he like eat it like a giant meatball? With does he have to like what? With a fork. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Okay. I don't know. Uh, does he like have to like tenderize it with some weapons? And then does he like start eating it? I'm... Well, it kind of the tenderize. I mean, that's one of the things I love in this that Alex Ross these big uh, single page illustrations. Mm-hmm. Each one of these is based on a Jack Kirby illustration from those issues, like the one where he's assembling. Galactus is assembling his uh, destroying machine. his world energy sucking device. Yeah, because that's how he does it normally. Is he has puts giant together this machinery, that, doomsday straw. Yeah, yeah, that sucks all the life energy out of the core of the planet, and he and Galactus absorbs that mm. through the machinery because he can't do it just by himself. Do you think he would use, Do you think he would use Frank's <laughs> Red Hot? He ought to. He, that stuff goes good on everything. He, he should. He he should use the. Uh, Hosa sauce. Hosa that we sell downstairs, the Hosa Co. Yeah. Here, can, do you think the Hosa... Infinity Content Spots or Hosa There you go. Do you think the Hosa guy can draw Galactus with Hosa sauce over a planet? <laughs> so good Galactus uses it on his meals. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Okay, I got to talk to these guys. Oh, gosh. Good enough for plant-sized portions. I love the, I love the single page of Galactus when he gets knocked down for the first time, and he's... St- like, he's... Stable, steadying himself like he's on ground, but he's still yeah. floating there. That's such a cool thing. Yeah, and that's and that's straight from Kirby. And I love the fact that all the people in the street below him are like, "He ain't falling. He ain't falling. What the <laughs> hell's that word? Yeah, just makes ground under him. Uh, and then there's like some single page of them fighting some other dude right after that. Yeah, that's just uh, if I remember correctly, Galactus had like a couple, one or two of these like goofy little robots. I don't know what they are to kind of deal with. Any resistance he didn't want to be bothered with, because at this point we don't know where the surfer is. I think yeah. the surfer got zapped out or something. Disappeared, yeah. Yeah. So then you got Phil kind of just walking around, just kind of mellow about everything. Yeah, he going was trying on. to get back to the suburbs, but and this is something I don't mention in the original comics. All the tunnels and bridges are just filled with deserted cars and wrecked mm-hmm. cars. So he get, takes a cab away, but then he just has to walk to get back to his family. Yeah, and he's just kind of soaking it in, like the gravity of everything while he's like seeing people like tune into the TV. I mean, every time I turn the page, I could say, oh, there's another good page shot of a, a Galactus fight. It's like, really good. I mean, every single oh, page yeah. like in this when Galactus shows up is really cool, like these one-page spreads. Um, then you've got... And they're juxtaposed, juxtaposed with just these great normal human moments. Moments. Yeah. Uh, people talking about like if Captain America was there, everything would be all right. Like everybody, would be, everything. I, would be I'm fine. just like really curious to think why they think if Captain America was there, it would he's, be all right. He's, he's just gonna he's, shield he's it. boy in blue. Yeah, <laughs> especially for the older generation, these guys are like you know Captain America. He he can beat anybody. Yeah, he can you know 
doesn't matter if the big purple space alien that can didn't float in the have, sky. Did you have a superhero you said could beat anybody when you were a kid or when you're an old man? Death? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, death. Uh, we finally, oh, this two-page spread, though. Uh, Silver Surfer. So we got Silver Surfer now, like, without any understanding. So it's interesting because this is some of the only time that we don't, Phil's not there to experience this and not see this. Hmm. So that's kind of nice. So we have no context of what's happening. We just see, like, every one-page spread, something is happening, this fight is ensuing. And now the last two, we've seen that Silver Surfer is now part of the fight against Galactus. So we don't know why he is. He's just fighting against Galactus. Yeah. Oh, and that's, I guess we should have mentioned that maybe earlier. If you're not familiar with the Silver Surfer and Galactus, when they first came to Earth, the Silver Surfer was Galactus's herald, so he'd find worlds for Galactus to eat. And Silver Surfer found Earth, brought Galactus here. reason Silver Surfer was doing all this, because... In order to save his home planet, he agreed to be Galactus's servant. But in this story, which we don't see here because Phil isn't privy to this information, why they're here and the Silver Surfer sees the FF fighting, and in the original story, the first human he meets is Alicia Masters, the, the sculptor, Ben Grimm's girlfriend. Oh. And he sees her artwork and stuff and sees that she could create this beautiful art, even though she's blind, and they talk and talk, and he starts to realize, wow, this... She reminds me of my own long-lost love. Um, and then he meets the Fantastic Four, and he sees how honorable they are and how they're trying to fight to save their planet, and it changes his mind about serving Galactus, and he starts rebelling against him, okay. trying to help the, he- the humans. I like him. I like him. I do want to get that omnibus and read that dance a lot. Mm. I'm ready for those tears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like the... So I don't know, like... They kind of show how they resolve it, but they don't really explain more. They show a scene of oh. mm-hmm. Mr. Fantastic, like, in a very scared-looking face, holding up <laughs> some kind of device. Metal object, yeah. 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 I don't know. It looks like a mix between – it's got, like, a horn, and it's got – it looks like a stamp maker, but it's got a little pulley thing on the bottom, it like does. an espresso one. Like, what God, God, is I that? Love, is there a significance to this thing that he's there holding There is. Up? I love Kirby's design, because Galactus is a Kirby design. Well, everything in here, Galactus, the FF, the Silver Surfer, all Kirby designs. Um, yeah, and earlier, an onlooker had said, was disappointed, and we see his face, the disappointment, because he's like, the torch just went inside, back inside the building, and then we don't see him. Mm-hmm. That's because in the comic, the original story... Reed sends the torch into some dimensional thing to go off and find something called the ultimate nullifier. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, and that's what the torch does, finds it in the other dimension, or maybe it's in the Watcher's home on the moon or something like that. I, I, that's where I know it from is I, the original Sin storyline that came yeah. out a couple years ago is there the, the nullifier's on the Watcher's like moon yeah. base kind of thing. Yeah, or maybe the Watcher got it after Johnny retrieved it to use against Galactus. And that's why they show back here Johnny, like, He's collapsing in Sue's arms because he's wiped out from getting this device. He's burnt out. That Reed knew about oh, it somehow. He's good. burnt out. <laughs> um, and yeah, Reed's not sure it's going to work. So that's why he looks worried. But yeah, he. Galactus is like, oh. He threatens Galactus with it. Supposedly, this device can like destroy everything. Everything, including yeah. Galactus. So basically, he's bluffing Galactus. No more food, Galactus. Yeah. Cutting him off. I, I like Galactus's face on the bottom too. Yeah, he's he like, actually oh. <laughs> oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> but before he does, he shoots a couple more laser beams. Yeah, he he blasts Silver Surfer with a couple laser beams to go right through him, 
And that causes the Silver Surfer to be trapped on Earth after this. Oh, I didn't know that. You're yeah. grounded. Yeah, and that's when the Silver Surfer series starts after this, the original Silver Surfer series. And is that series. how he ends up like on the Defenders and stuff yeah. too, basically? Yeah, because okay. he was always trying to like... Galactus puts a barrier around the Earth that only keeps in Silver the Silver Surfer. Surfer. Interesting. And that's how he meets Doctor Strange eventually, because he's like, can you help me? You're the master of mystic arts. and Nobody can beat this barrier. So did this take place then before Infinity Gauntlet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. I mean, in that, Silver Surfer obviously got yeah. out. Yeah, okay. eventually okay. The, the the shield is either broken or Galactus is convinced to drop it or something. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Um so they get on with their lives, but then the public immediately turns around and says that they hate superheroes, and it was all. F- it's yeah. just that's the very interesting thing that they, the people like civilization here, like the people here are so quick to, um, like the opposite of vilify and hate is like they like they worship. Mm-hmm. They they go so quick from worshiping to hate. Oh, I mean, Eating. isn't that true with any celebrity? And that's what's gonna. That's yeah. something I want to talk about. I read this. It's like so, so much kind of similar to you know, you're, you you have these celebrities and you're like, I really like these celebrities, but then like, any small thing can like, quickly like, if you don't stop to think about it, like people are so quickly swayed like, with information with that's information, incomplete, yeah, or that censored, they, that they or completely turn around like they one eighty on like, their heroes, and then it's like. I hate this person, you know. Well, I think, yeah. think it also goes back to the like that beginning theme of that the humans react with hate and fear when they feel powerless, and this yeah. is like the ultimate scenario of powerlessness. It's it's yeah. like a, it's a scapegoat for them. Like it's well, it also it's reestablishes like your sense of power. Yeah, if you can say, oh, it was actually like, a fake. yeah, it, that's it, it didn't happen. Like, they, they put it on like it's a fake, and that's why. Like like. Mm-hmm. We're fine, like we're fine, but that was fake. Like, yeah, yeah. Fake news. Like, oh yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, and, yeah. And even worse like, nowadays, you could say, but you see that here with you know, Jameson publishing that saying, saying, oh, Galactus thing was all a hoax, <laughs> just God, to make they, the Fantastic Four look good. They draw J. Jonah Jameson really well. I like when he's got a cigar in his mouth. He's got that creepy smile. This is so weird. <laughs> his eyes are just bugging out. I feel like this Peter Parker that they show. A Peter Parker comes in to. Joan Jameson? J. Jonah Jameson. I can't say J. 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 He comes in his office, and this J3. Parker has, like, a very punchable face. He, he does. Looks, <laughs> he just looks like a... Well, just like, uh, like a, Phil says, because he walks out, he's like, he calls him a little weasel. Because he's like, how dare this kid, like, take pictures and slander Spider-Man. Little does he know that's actually Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. It's not because Phil actually has a particular liking for Spider-Man. He just feels like, oh, this Parker kid just sucks up to Jonah and if only because he, he says knew. that thing about all oh, these these pictures make Spider-Man look terrible. Extra, extra man spider wreaks <laughs> havoc again in New York City. <laughs> Read all about it. How dare this young kid try to benefit off the like imaging of Marvels and give them to newspapers for He's money. He's like Marvel TMZ man. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is. And it's interesting too in this story so far we we saw Spider-Man like once. Yeah, because he's kind of saving him for the end for the final book. That's what I kept thinking the whole time I was reading this. Is like, man, Spider Man's on the cover of this book. Yeah, where's Spider Man? Yeah, they're focusing on you know Cap and the FF, the Avengers, everybody but Spider Man. And I'm okay with that. Like, I like Spider Man. It's just it's so weird thinking about Spider Man in this time period for me. I just for me it's hard to like. I try to like go think of him past the '90s, and I'm like, I can't. You see Tobey Maguire's little <laughs> face. No, I just see animated Spider Man. I don't oh. see Tobey Maguire's <laughs> mug little. 
puppy face. <laughs> puppy face, yeah. Oh, Toby. Oh, Toby. Uh, I guess off topic, though, is anybody going to see that Spider-Verse movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sure. See. Anybody going to see that Aquaman movie? Sure. Mm, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll get the reviews first. That looks like yeah. fun. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready, I'm ready to read some reviews. <laughs> Before I put my heart in cash. I'm not going to be swayed by misinformation. I'm going to experience it myself. I'm going to be there. Atlantis looks cool. It does look really cool. And Jason Momoa and, and Mara both look really hot. They do. <laughs> yeah, accurate. I just have no and faith in DC and, uh, besides Wonder his, Woman. What's his name? The guy that played Green Goblin in the first Spider-Man movie is going to be in it. William Defoe. Yeah, he's, he's Volko. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. And then he's like, <laughs> I'll get you next time, Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sink you next time, Aquaman. <laughs> uh, so we move on <laughs> from uh, we get towards kind of the end after that whole thing. Like He's getting kind of just still worked up about that Peter Parker scenario. And towards the end of this chapter, he – crosses by a group of people in the street just talking shit about mutants and he just snaps at them and just like kind of reminds them like did you just see what did you not just experience what happened like a few days ago like we literally almost had the world end and you're so ungrateful that these people save us like it's messed up and that's how it ends and I like that he's like he's become very very like more self-aware than a lot of people there he's like they literally like they've got stuff going on and, like, to first assumption is to vilify them is not his first assumption. He's, like, benefit of the doubt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, these people save us. The, there's a, like, stop shitting on them every fucking second. Like, they're not yeah. up there saving us. Like, you care about them only when they're saving us now. I was, and then just imagine just pre-YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah, and I like this last panel of book three because he, he tells them, look up, why don't you? Look up for once yeah. in your lives. And the panel looks up and it's this beautiful blue sky behind, I think that's the Baxter building. Yeah. He should have held up one they of his help, books they, and said, they, said they, look at this. The people, <laughs> yeah. the, people, the people in that Baxter building put it together. They put that, they kept that beautiful blue sky there. Uh, so we're in the next book. So we should also mention that something that's kind of been going on throughout the last couple books in this run is that he's been making a book of his own. Mm-hmm. He's a book about these Marvels. So oh, that's called Marvels. It's called Marvels. Uh, <laughs> Just so, like so by this final book, he's got his book published and he's he's out there signing copies. It's a real success. People are happy about it. Um, he's still going on about his thing. I love this shot where he's talking about where he's got his assistant and he's talking about like how he's getting older and it's harder for him. So I just something about the shot where he's like, it's a, uh, where he's surrounded by his like coworkers, uh, it's on your your page. Cole, where he's got his eye patch, and there's that one like glare. It almost looks like another part of his eye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like I kind of like that. It's like his that glare is also functioning as that pupil for that oh, eye, yeah. kind of looking off to the mm. side. I don't know if that's like what was intentionally, but that's how I interpreted it. It looks really good. This is is this Mary Jane Watson? I'm supposed to interpret down at the bottom. No, that's actually. Um the Silver Age Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. Ah, gotcha. Because at the time, she was a criminal that fought... Well, actually, her, her and Hawkeye both yeah. fought Iron Man originally. Yeah. Yeah. And they got churned. Um, then you've got uh, more Galactus stuff happened behind the scenes, but Phil doesn't care. Spider-Man. I, I hate and love this guy that Phil talks to on the page right before Spider-Man with the weird tie. The facial expressions this guy makes in three panels 
is so oh. good, but makes me hate him so much. <laughs> yeah, and he, I don't think it's supposed to be, but he, oh God, he looks, I can't remember the name of this actor now. Um, he looks like that guy that was on, God, Arrested Development and uh, some other shows. That Jason all, that, Bateman? That usually plays a smarmy type guy. He he reminds me of the, uh, he just reminds me of, like the smarmy dude from, uh, it was uh, the guy that played Cyclops who was in uh, Anchorman. Oh, jeez. Um, like, just like I, that. I know who you mean, that, yeah. That I style of outfit and, like, the facial expression, like, the hair. It just <laughs> looks so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, Phil's trying to convince them, like, that, that, that we're blind to the truth about them, the Marvels, how, you know, we insult them, belittle them after they just they do so much for us. The Avengers just fought this war in space yeah. to save us all, apparently, and they come back care. to Earth, and everybody's just like... Eh, whatever, you yeah. know, we yeah. hate you, Avengers. What's wrong? You know, get out of town. Yeah. And of course, this guy's just like, yeah, eh, I, I, you're thinking about this way too much, Phil. <laughs> As if thinking about things is, you know, a defect. <laughs> it is. It's bad to be intellectual. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got, uh, so he's got this idea, though, in this book, I guess, like the goal for him in this final book is to clear Spider Man of a, a crime that he was accused of, of killing. Uh, mm. Officer Stacy, so Gwen Stacy's yeah. dad, um, and in the middle of kind of doing a small interview with Luke Cage, another cool little Easter egg there. I guess not really because he's blatantly right there. I mean, it uh, has his business card with his name on it, know. but I he doesn't the, want photos. Yeah, I love the way. Just a little aside, I like the way uh, Alex Ross, who also colored this, um, I think he colored it, um, colors like the deep blue on Spider-Man's costume and yeah. and Luke Luke's pants which traditionally have been kind of this other deep blue color he just colors those those black so it looks like luke's wearing like leather pants maybe. yeah <laughs> but it looks a lot more realistic than, <laughs> than blue the actual luke yeah, Cage I, costume of i the time. like the cost the, the costume of spider-man in this it looks yeah really really nice uh, and, I, and i like the way they did this because how phil's getting witness eyewitness accounts of this battle between dr octopus and spider-man uh-huh. where captain stacy gwen stacy's dad got killed and the witnesses all think that Spider-Man did it. Did it. One woman describes, and you see it in her, in her, vision, her mind yeah. perspective, that Spider-Man pushed the chimney over onto, onto Captain Stacy. And then, and then it wasn't enough. He, like, went over to there to, like, screamed his name and, like, carried him off. Yeah. Like, he was going to finish the job somewhere else. It's like they have, like, that's how they interpret it kind of thing. Yeah. And for us, we're like, clearly Yeah, in the original story... Um, no, and they they eventually Phil finds this out. Um, Doctor Octopus's arms, Spider Man ducked, his arms flailed out and hit the chimney. It started to crumble. Spider Man like calls out to Captain Stacy to move, but Captain Stacy like so runs underneath it to save push a kid out of the way, and he yeah. gets crushed. And and that's why Spider Man goes down because he's like, oh no, God, this is my girlfriend's dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like, but of course, and all the witnesses are like, no, no, Spider Man did it. Yeah, it's just so much easier for them to go that route. So as like time's crossing, he's getting more he's getting uh more eyewitnesses. And then at the same time too, when he's getting them though, they start to sound unsure of what they saw. Like on like yeah, a couple pages later. It's like it, well it had to be him, right? I think I saw him do it kind of thing. <laughs> it's just like that's what they want to believe kind of thing. Yeah. It's easier for if for some reason it's easier for them to like see it that way. I mean they've been reading it in the Daily Bugle, like he's the bad guy. Yeah. He's infamous. Huh. One of Phil's <laughs> girls is holding a Zemnu the Titan plush figure. Z- 
seen the Titan. That, that's an old like that little Tales to Astonish or something before Marvel oh. superheroes when they did Super- big monster stories. That was one of the big monsters. Oh. Super cute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got a couple pages ahead. So he's at a like party thing, and this is um, this is where I was thinking of the first Easter egg I saw where I thought I saw Clark Kent. At this like Happy New Year party, in the back right oh, corner yeah. is that that ha- that looks like Clark Kent. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, earlier when we saw the George Reeves 1950s version of Clark and Lois. Uh-huh. Yeah, here's the like 1970s Clark Lois Clark and, and Jimmy Lois. and Jimmy. Yeah, that's Jimmy Olsen with the bow tie and everything. <laughs> Just hanging out right there. Uh, so he's kind of got this whole thing going now where um, he's still trying to prove Spider Man's innocence. He gets the opportunity to go and talk to Dr. Octopus. And this is where you said, like, Dr. Octopus's arms had a malfunction, but nobody's going to believe that. Like, it's easier for them to just take both, like, hero and villain down because why not? And then we get the introduction to Gwen Stacy. So he actually meets Gwen Stacy and starts interviewing her and talking to her more because he wants to get her side of the story. So she doesn't like Spider-Man. So it's like, does she not know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man? She didn't know in the comics. Oh. Unlike the movies. Well, wait, she, did she know in the movies? She did know in the movies. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, in the comics, she, she didn't know. Man. I mean, she she went to her death not knowing. Did you like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, Roman? Um, I remember what I liked about him. I really liked... I thought I liked him better as Spider-Man. Yes, but I liked Tobey Maguire as better as Peter, Peter Parker. Parker. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought too. Because I thought he was too cool and edgy to be yeah. a Peter Parker, but yeah. he was a really good Spider-Man. And yeah, Tobey Maguire was too. Well, Tobey Maguire, I thought was the was a great Silver Age Peter Parker. Yeah, and I thought Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield was very much Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Which I was never into as much as the Amazing Spider-Man he, he comics. Had, he just had the Spider-Man personality down, the way yeah. he interacted with villains and stuff. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think I'll, if in my in my dream world they could have ended that movie with Gwen Stacy dying, and then Emma Stone immediately turned around and came back in the next shot wearing a red wig and said she was Mary Jane Watson, and I've been like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. If I could take scissors to that movie and just <laughs> cut out so much of it, I would be happy. Like, you can't have a Green Goblin Jr. storyline without, well, that, like, you can't have that. You can't try to develop, like, this whole idea of, like, a best friendship without seeing that character ever before and then making him. Okay, <laughs> this is going to be a huge rabbit hole. I have lots of thoughts about this, so we should get back to the book. Okay. It, it had so much potential. The webs we <laughs> the webs we leave with these stories. Uh, so Gwen Stacy, that that can be that can that can just be your pick book. Do you want to just talk about <laughs> King Goblin? I'll, I'll write a book and then I'll and I'll talk about it. Um, cool. I, so I like how during this Gwen Stacy moment, at one point, the surface gets invaded by Atlantis peacefully. Yeah. But I totally immediately singled out one ship in this photo, and I was, and I thought, is that Watchmen? Well, I mean, that's the, what the I thought, too. That's what I thought, too. Because there's like, definitely owlman? an yeah. owlman and a lady, and it's got the two big eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it totally looks like, I mean, I wonder if that's where Dave Gibbons kind of <laughs> based his. <laughs> I mean, he's even got the little tiny horns up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I was like, that's yeah, so Who blatant. knows? Maybe Dave Gibbons based it on this. Shout out. Uh, oh, wait, except Watchmen came out. 
It came out before, before this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a little Easter egg. Well, no, there's just okay, yeah. that's all books, all Easter egg. So uh, then you got Phil kind of observing how Gwen Stacy is interacting with all of this, and like he's talking about uh, like the Marvels. They like doesn't matter what they do. Like they're not doing it for like publicity or anything. They're doing it just to save people, and like that's something that people seem to be missing is they're not doing it for. They're not doing it for glory. They're not doing it for anything other than to just be there to protect those. Uh, maybe a little cages, yeah. but... Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hero for hire. I, I do love these panels because this, I mean, I think Alex Ross and, and Kurt Busiek perfectly captured Gwen Stacy here because Phil's watching her and she's just looking at the the uh, the beauty of the Atlantean ships and mm. the light shining through the, the wings <laughs> of them and everything. And he talks about, he saw the wonder and delight in her face and I knew the mistake I'd make, I'd made. And it, and she's just so awestruck by them and so appreciative of just how beautiful and diff- this difference is. Yeah. That's represented. And that's so perfectly Gwen Stacy because she was always such a positive character. Man, bring her back. I mean, well, I guess they have. I feel like they sp- have. They have a Spider Gwen. But oh yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> man, we could. Something we can talk. No, I'll wait till we're. I'll wait till we're off. No. <laughs> Roman, you've had like a triple reverse right there. For I did. You might as well just go for it. Okay, I was trying to explain the storyline of Green Goblin and Gwen Stacy to Colton because I found about it because it, I was reading an article one day my lunch break and it was top 10 like worst things oh, yeah. that have happened in comics and it was a Green Goblin <laughs> Gwen Stacy story did you read that? oh yeah was know, it bad? I, I can guess which one you mean yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was bad because I'm glad it's not continuity yeah anymore. I think yeah everybody ignores it now I think in the okay, 90s you, early 2000s they brought Gwen back mm-hmm. and it turns out he uh, the Goblin had like recovered her body or th- something and brought her back to life or made a clone of her or something, and but even before that, had blackmailed her, and they didn't actually come out and say this, but had raped her and had yeah. kids with her. Yeah, like I saw that. Like that was like the like top. I think it was like top two, like number two in the yeah. top ten worst things, which kind of is worse. That's not top one because I think top one was something really stupid. But <laughs> I'm like, how is that not the worst thing? That's what was the whole like? Oh God, I even hate like saying the title, like the whole like rape of Captain Marvel on that story, like that list. No, oh, because I was listening to this oh, yeah, uh, a podcast about Captain Marvel and how something I, I don't even know what it was, but like it was just a whole like story about her like being totally powerless, like yeah. being like sexually assaulted yeah. by like a man on the moon or something yeah, like and that. I remember it, cause it was an Avengers annual where they revealed that I think uh, Immortus or something had kidnapped her, taken her to his dimension, made her his queen, which is all they said in the comic. Mm-hmm. But they also implied. talked about how, how yeah, I mean, it was against her will and everything and all this, and, yeah, and that was awful. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how, like, I feel, like, I mean, like, it feels distasteful to write that. I mean, you know, it's the whole lady in the refrigerator trope. Yeah. It's co- men... And that's why it's good to have people of all different types of walks of life and identities in, you know, the comic book industry in any industry, because if not, they're going to 
they're going to really fuck up. Mm. And there is a problem with there being way too many men in the conflict industry and using violence against women as for advancement for male characters. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, horrible Green Goblin story. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I ever want to like touch that story. No, you're, you're, it's, it's good. It was just uh, so insulting. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like why, why put money towards it? If it's just gonna, like, you don't want to reinforce Make that storytelling yeah. at all. Well, to get on a more positive note. Is it positive? To, no, oh. I'm getting on more of a positive note. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not like trying to get a positive note of that story. I'm just trying to get us, like, I'm trying to cleanse our palate before we finish this off. Uh, before they kill Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Uh, I just, this is one thought I had today while I was eating lunch. Um, maybe this will, this will cheer you up for me. Imagine Captain America, ultimate frisbee player. He'd be great at it. He would be. He'd be all American. <laughs> he'd be all American. <laughs> there's I a bet, what is story they need to do. There's a yeah, like introduce Captain America. Like, have they not had a comic where they've introduced Captain America to ultimate frisbee? No, no. You just like started in my mind. We have like Marvel High School. We have Tony Stark, head of robotics. Bruce Banner is like the chemistry. Like, you could just. It writes itself. I just want, because I, I just found out they did, like, in the Deadpool comic or something, they did, they did a reference to Mr. Miracle, like, Tom King, Mitch Gerard's nine-panel grid thing in that. Now I just want an ultimate combination of two one character standing next to Captain America explaining to him ultimate Frisbee and Captain America standing there as a Frisbee flies by, and then he throws one, and that's all the nine panels. Yes. <laughs> That's all I need. Okay, so let's finish. Let's finish this off. So we've got Green Goblin capturing Gwen Stacy, and we're getting to see from well, Phil, Phil's there, all in the well, same. Phil's, Phil's watching like meeting from below. Yeah, because um, he was. And, yeah, and, he and was going to go meet with her, and it was going to be. Apparently, she had her father's journal where mm-hmm. her father like had talked about how he admired Spider Man, and this was going to. She was going to give the journal to him at this third meeting and he was so excited because this was going to close the case for him. This mm-hmm. was going to like make his career be the, the capstone of his career where he proved with this journal that Spider-Man didn't kill him, didn't kill Captain Stacy. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't make the meeting. She does answer the door and he sees the Green Goblin flying away with her. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fight ensues and we get to the iconic moment of Gwen Stacy dying when Spider-Man tries to save her. Which wasn't this supposed to be the first instance of a character or a like love interest to a character could die? Yeah, the, the like first major big, one. Yeah. Before that, it, you know, they had all these stuff with Superman and Lois Lane. They were all imaginary stories or yeah, what but this or was, whatever. This was real. Like this was continuity. Yeah, because even when Bucky died, it's the end of World War II, supposedly. They didn't really show it. You never saw his body. There mm-hmm. was just an explosion, and we never saw him again. Mm-hmm. But this was the first one. It was like, oh, major character gets thrown off a bridge. Um, and I think in the original comic, like they include in here, Spider-Man shoots a web to catch her, catches her leg. Yeah. But the sudden stop snaps her neck. And yeah. I think in the original comic, they have a snap sound effect just like they do here. Uh Jeez. And later on, it's it's interesting because Phil mentions this in story that they said the shock of the fall is what killed her. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the controversy or years after this story, some you know writers and stuff tried to say that, well, it was the shock of the fall. Spider-Man didn't accidentally kill her. It's like, no, he accidentally killed her because he wasn't thinking. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, it wasn't his fault. Yeah, he, yeah it wasn't his off. fault. He just yeah. didn't think. Because later on, they had like Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, 
same situation. Somebody gets thrown off a building, but because he had Peter's memories, he like swings in an arc or something so that her, the fall isn't suddenly arrested, the momentum's carried, and the person doesn't get killed. <laughs> oh, wow. Way to like, you know, fix that whole thing yeah. down the road without like having to fix it. Interesting. Uh, so time moves on. He's upset that like nobody really cares that Gwen Stacy died. Like he's getting worked up about it. Um, he's more frustrated, lost in thought. He finally has like a snapping moment. He like th- breaks his TV, and this is where he has the realization that you know, you just be in the moment, kind of thing. So yeah, he took this. Yeah, yeah that things weren't gonna. No matter what he did or wrote. It was never going to stop. I mean, people mm-hmm. weren't going to change. Yeah, just and be appreciative, and that's it. Be appreciative of <laughs> what you have and what you've grown, and just grab some random boy off, off doing a paper route, and he's like, "Get in this picture with us, boy." Yeah, he gives his camera to his assistant, and says, "Here, take a picture of you know this is my new life, retirement, whatever." Yeah, and let's get this normal boy in here. And it's funny that he asked the kid his name, and he says, "It's it's Daniel, sir, Danny Ketch." Who grows up to be the second Ghost Rider? Oh, um, really? Yeah, the Easter '90s eggs. one with the with the spikes on his shoulders. Oh, wow! <laughs> a nice, normal, ordinary. Boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. How did you guys feel about the ending? I felt I thought it was just out of nowhere. I felt like it was kind of out of nowhere, but I also felt like it was pretty realistic. Yeah, but unsatisfying. It was unsatisfying, yeah, just but, like life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, too, I like I was like, oh, that was the ending. But then I was like. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Like Roman said, it's nothing's gonna change. Like, just be happy with what you have, kind of thing. In like this, like his, he, you know, kept pursuing like this thing of like, like chasing these marbles and capturing the moments of them. But at the same time, too, he knew what their worth was, and no matter how many pictures he put out that people liked, he felt like I took it as he felt like those people would immediately just turn around and hate them. Just like as quick, so it's like, what's like, what's the point? Like, I'm not gonna keep spending my career to like sell the people that don't, you know, really appreciate, truly appreciate what these what these people do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in the realization they saw for Gwen Stacy, is they are there to protect these people and save these people. So if I'm gonna put something out that they're gonna like, and then immediately just spit in the face of these people like, back and forth, like, there's no point to that. That's the way mm-hmm. I took it. And it's just like, why not be with my family, appreciate what's going Why not grab a a, little, a boy <laughs> riding by and take a picture with him? Yeah. Oh, you even got this looking up at them shot, him and his wife and, and little, da- little, little ghost rider, and blue sky above them, the clouds are separating, and the sun's starting yeah. to peek out. It's Plus, also, day. there was a long-planned sequel to this. Oh, really? That Kurt Busiek and... Was wanted to do it didn't happen for like ten years, before Marvel's two came out, which was Phil Sheldon in retirement and what he thought about. There's this a Marvel's end, two. Yeah, because oh. there, there was this ends. Gwen Stacy's death marks the end. Most comic historians agree marks the end of the Silver Age. Okay. Oh. And so Marvel's two kind of picks up in the Bronze Age. Oh, I'd and, love and to check out the eighties. I think I'd love to check out the yeah, Bronze I don't Age remember, at some point. I think I read it, but I don't remember anything about it. I had, to, I, I had to look that up on so, Wikipedia. <laughs> like, so they moved away from, like, we're in the current age is what they were calling it now? Like, yeah. What are we called? So what has become after? Because then, like, when well, does the current age end? 
and the new age begin? And what is the does the current still keep getting called the current? I think I think yeah, I think current age is always shifting, so it's always our so current we, age. So do we become whatever comes after bronze? Because bronze age is like from death of Gwen Stacy until like Watchmen and all that stuff mm-hmm. is the Bronze Age, so 70s basically. Like do we become wood? And then when the Dark Knight and Watchmen and all the gritty stuff started coming out, mm-hmm. some people call that the Dark Age. Oh, I love We're that. always in the Dark Age. <laughs> DC's always in the Dark metal. Age right now. Yeah, <laughs> metal, yeah. Titans I like right the Metal now. Age. That'd be awesome. Roman, have you started watching Titans on the DC Universe app? No, because I, I don't have the app. And I've heard the show is awful. The live action one? I mean, if you look at critics' reviews, they'll – Rave about it for some They'll reason. Rave about it, really? Yeah. I mean, he, Justin tried it. He said it was awful. It's <laughs> the action is really good. Yeah, I'm still like so confused <laughs> at what I'm watching. Like I thought I was watching a show of heroes, but I think that show would make a perfect drinking game for every time one of these quote unquote heroes kills a person. They're uh, yeah, like like a cop. Like they just vaporize a cop or something. Really? Like, they're some, Titans do? Break yeah. some necks, eat some people. Yeah, they're very uh they're uh anti heroes at best. Who eats people? Garfield? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean they're like they're all Jason Todd. Wow. Yeah Dick Grayson is like if you put Jason Todd and Tim Drake yeah, together. If, if you add them together, if you had the social awkwardness without any of the technical skill and the angstiness and anger and sociopathy of Jason Todd, <laughs> and you mix them together, that's your Dick Grayson. That's your Dick Grayson. He has absolutely no charisma wow. or joy. <laughs> yeah. The Jason Todd that shows up and it has more charisma and joy than him. And he's an alcoholic preteen. Who kills cops. Who kills cops. And, and apparently Batman does, won't know, but he still puts chips in them and is always watching, but it's okay if yeah. cops get killed. I think that would be a fun one to talk wow. about, a so, non-book episode. Uh, anyway, so like I didn't know there was a Marvels 2, but I would love to – or I'm going to finish it. I'm curious to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, I would love to read Marvels 2. That would be interesting. Apparently so, between Marvels and Marvels 2, mm-hmm. Warren Ellis did a a parody of this called – a limited series – a limited series called Ruins, where it's Phil Sheldon in just a horrible dystopian – Marvel Universe. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that sounds like it's up my alley. There yeah. you go. That'd be a one to pick up, too. So I was, like, nervous at starting on this at first, but it's it definitely grew on me as I kept reading. I was like, oh, this is really good. I would s- definitely give this – it was the most different book I've read. I'd give it a nine. I'd give it a good nine. I think I would give it – It made me think, and it had a lot of oh, Easter eggs. So. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I would give it – I want to say I give it a uneducated 8.5 okay. because I feel like I would appreciate it so much more if I had a, like a broader background knowledge, which is what's really great is if you get the trade of it in the very back actually has a list of every single book, the sources, uh, the direct issues, oh. where they pulled information from. Oh, I never noticed yeah. that first. Mm-hmm. I didn't go that far into the back. We have – where is it? Yeah, I saw that somewhere because I think Colton and I have the – the remastered edition, and you've got a different edition? Uh, he and I have the same edition. Oh, you've got the, oh, you've I've got got the remastered Yeah, you've got the fancy one. Yeah, I've got the, oh, the Marvel Sources. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which okay. I wish all of comics did that, so we all could actually the... know what's canon in the story and what's not. Yeah. Uh, Roman, what do you oh, give it? Oh, this does have it. Okay. Nice. It's just colored differently. And I love this poster, the Marvel Villains poster, oh. because just because Ross draws... The Red Skull, the way Jack Kirby drew the Red Skull. I like skull the Red Skull like that. In, in, the, in the 40s, where he's got like this weird, just no beak. lips, like but it's all, he's got these weird, yeah, weird beak kind of ripped 
looking mouth where lips should be. That's like a Play-Doh <laughs> face. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, boy. I'd give this a 9.5. 9.5? Not quite a 10, just because there is certain storylines, little plot points he could have expanded on. Yeah. Which, of course, he had, you know, four issues to work with, but I would have liked to see like six issues to mm-hmm. do like what you were saying with the J. Jonah Jameson and kind of mm-hmm. explore some of that stuff. I would have loved to have explored more of the J. Jonah Jameson stuff. Yeah. I've, like, yeah, this is the first time I've read a book, I think, in Marvel and GC where it's been from a perspective like this. I mean, we kind of got some of that in Kingdom Come, but this was very much, yeah. very different than everything else. Yeah, so this I is very much really just enjoyed it. the human character's perspective and nothing else. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this this annotated edition. When it comes out. Yeah, just yeah. explain all the references, all the Easter eggs. That'll be great. Uh, so super solid pick. So we've all done three now. We've all done three picks, I, I believe. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the next one, I, I messaged you both about it. We're going to do differently where we're going to use anybody that may or may not be listening to this or anybody that gets onto the Comics Place Facebook page. This is for the next book that we're going to be reading. We're going to put – we're each we're each putting – we're each going to announce one book, and then whatever one gets the most votes, um, there will be a deadline on the post, and whatever gets the most votes will be the book that we read for the next podcast. And then I figure every couple, every every round that we do, a pick of our choice, we'll kind of do some kind oh, of yeah. interesting way to yeah, like spice it up, good. so another vote or something. Um, so the what the way I asked for a book of your guys' choice of how we want to do it, as I said, anything that kind of just kind of caught your eye like for me it's not something i would go out of my way to just buy like i really want to read that story that looks like a lot of fun like i really like these characters it's something that i normally wouldn't see but i've noticed it a lot just because it's been there and when i've worked when i worked here the one book that caught my eye a lot that i was wondering if it would really be worth reading was all new dupe (laughs) <laughs> which I know nothing about the character except he looks like a green booger and he speaks in a weird language and he's an X-Men. Uh, so they have, yeah. there's he's got his own little six issue or four or five, I don't know. It's a small book. Something it's all like new that. dupe. Uh, so that's my pick for going up to vote. Uh, Colton, cool. do you want to tell yours or do you want Roman to go next? Uh, I'll, I'll tell mine. Oh, yeah. we spo- see, I hadn't actually picked one yet because I thought. Oh, I don't care. We'll, get, we'll, we'll give you some time. <laughs> Uh, my <laughs> if you don't have one now, Roman, sorry. If you don't have one now, we can still just announce it on the other thing. And we can just say, okay, that's what I thought we were doing is we were going to do okay. dupe and then next episode. No, no, no. Dupe is, dupe is my, my one to throw oh, into the arena to vote see, for. I, I, yeah, I screwed up. No worries. So we'll, whatever one you pick, we'll put in the Facebook thing too so people can anticipate okay. uh, something. So anything that just kind of catches your eye where you're like, maybe. Like if you've never read it, like if you've never read it, that'd be the perfect Actually, time. I may have one if I can remember the title. Okay. Well, go with yours and then maybe Roman will know. Uh, I my choice is Lady Killer Volume One by mm-hmm. Joelle Jones. She's the current writer of uh, the Catwoman storyline, and she did a lot of the art for a lot of those Catwoman centric Tom King books. Okay, okay. So it's going to be about a lady serial killer who, I think I read might be Campbell. So it got good reviews. So I would like to read it. Those murder podcasts are really making an influence. I know. I'm all about the true crime. All right. All that right. is cool. Lady Killer was good. I like that. Um, I don't remember the title. It's um, it's one that Jeff and Django have both recommended to me, and I've never ever read it. Ready? Um, it's by Mark Mark Miller, Mark Millar, however you say his name. Mark Millar. Um, so, so it's from him, and it's by it's basically a Superman type character, but there's there's a twist. 
I want to say it's not majestic, but it's a, it's a word kind of like majestic, I think. Oh, I can't mm. think. Yeah, I couldn't find my my phone. Was I think over my? Should we do we call Jeff and do we ask Jeff? I was just gonna Google like Mark oh, Millar yeah. and his yeah uh, yeah yeah here his bibliography. Go because if it. I see it, I'll recognize it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Colton and I can vamp while while we're doing. Yeah, that. you guys vamp. <laughs> so, tell me, what do you have coming in the mail for books this week? <laughs> oh, I, I I don't have anything coming in the mail for books this week. Okay, I've already consumed. You've already consumed your yeah. fill. Yeah, you're, you're satiated for a while. You are the Galactus of books. <laughs> Come in, get your books, then you herald off to, to another site. Uh, uh, I was telling you though that, um, like, I mean, I've I know a couple artists that I really like, but I've really just kind of realized how much I really like Patrick Gleason's art because mm-hmm. yeah. all the Superman Rebirth stuff that I read, he was in it, and Tomasi, he also did the Batman and Robin stuff too. Oh yeah, I love Tomasi. Like I said, I. I just started reading Sub Diego by Aquaman because I just finished Marvels and I've been finishing a couple other like smaller Marvel stories. Like I finished Man Thing, mm-hmm. which by R.L. Stein was very interesting. But I'm on. Did it have some good uh, goosebumps, peachy rated did. horror? It did. It was great. Uh, I wish it would have kept going. I'm surprised it didn't. But I just started reading Sub Diego Aquaman and it has Patrick Gleason's art and I'm like, wow, I forgot how much I liked it. And I didn't realize his art was just as good back then. Like it's really nice. I love how he does faces like. Even in the tone of like how dark it is, the faces seem so, like, I don't know, like the way he does civilians is like so pure and stuff. I, I, the eye, like the way the eyes look are really cool. I don't know. I've, Better to gouge them out with. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just really good. Like he does facial expressions really, really well. Really cool. I'm happy that he did like an Aquaman one. Like he makes Aquaman look really cool. Is it, does he have hook hand then? No, he has water hand. So there's this is a problem. I have, I have, I don't know the orders for some of these books, and like I keep googling, and I'm having a bad time finding it. But I had one book called The Water Bear that came out where he got his water hand, and then there was a big cliffhanger, and that next book hasn't come out yet. And then, so I haven't read it, but I started picking up this book, and he's got the water hand still. So I'm like, okay, obviously this water bear came before it. But I don't know when the other books came, like which books go in what order. But the water hand is neat, but he can't hurt people with it. So the water hand, is it stay attached to him in water, or is he just yeah. like throw a cup? Yeah, and it's like... like a hard water construct. Oh, okay. Did you find it, Roman? It's a nice phone. I like this phone. Thank you. <laughs> what is this? It's a Samsung Galaxy S8. Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. I did find it. Um, Starlight by Mark, Mark Millar. Starlight. From Image Comics. All right. Nice. So we, we're this will be... Uh, we've got options that are branching out out of the out of out of our little pool. This will be interesting. Yeah. So Starlight, um, Lady Killer, all new dupe. So um, yeah, just text me those and then I'll put them up and then cool. we'll see what people might be interested in. So if people haven't listened to the podcast and they see it on the Facebook page, maybe we'll see some new or find out there's some new people listening. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You can't really see people listening to this. I see you through the microphone. (laughs) I see you through your headphones. All right, well, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. So long.